Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. The seasons are changing, y'all. Yeah, we kind of begin this conversation today by touching base on seasonal affective disorder, our opinions on it, our experiences with it. And just know that you're not alone if you're starting to feel a little extra introverted or melancholy during this time. No, it's the changes. We're transitioning. So kind of break down a little bit of how we can cope ahead for this transition. We jumped into our, well, we give you guys updates into our therapy journey. And I talked about my love affair with my new therapist. Valentina loves her therapist. She's amazing. My therapist has definitely grown on me. But yeah, so we get into all that, what's going on on that side of things for us. And then most importantly, we really wanted to focus on unpacking our relationship to goals, what we mean by goals, how can we set goals that are aligned with mental health, so mental health-informed goals, and why that's so important to our life. Because ultimately, all of the things that we're chasing, it's to be happy and maintain or acquire inner peace. But what if we could do that now? We totally can. Yes, ma'am. And with that pretty mental family, Take in a deep breath with us. And tune in. Summer is officially on its way out. I actually don't believe it because our weather is doesn't know what it's doing. You don't believe it? Nah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of do. It'll be really hot next week. Just watch. You think so? Yeah. I saw that. I saw that it was going to get a little warmer, but I think we're done with getting into the 90s and things like that. I like this weather, though. It's so cozy to me. It's nostalgic and cozy. Yeah. Valentina likes the transitions. I'll find ways to rock with it. I mean, I guess we get to wear uh, beanies and hoodies. Hoodies and sweats, which I do in the summer anyway. So now it'll just make more sense to people. I start hibernating, though. I just have to be watchful of my mood whenever the sun goes away. So it's that seasonal affective thing. That happens to me sometimes, too. And that's super common. Seasonal affective. We don't like the term disorder. (laughs) Yeah, we were saying we were going to talk about it. And we were looking through the information on it. And we both it kind of bothered both of us that it's called seasonal affective disorder. Because truly, for me, it just feels that. First of all, I don't like that we put the word disorder next to everything. And obviously, we respond really well to sunlight. Vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D. So when the sunlight goes away, then we just have to work a little extra hard to get our energy levels up to date. To me, that's not a disorder. To me, that's a natural response to the environmental changes. Granted, of course, some people are going to be a little more vulnerable to it. But the disorder thing just 
not my jam y'all are not alone if you feel it coming i've seen a lot of memes about that one of them i think i know john you're gonna say you do it's like when my my regular depression my quarantine depression and my seasonal depression meet and it's these three people hold it like shaking hands with each other it's funny but it's real you know the best we can do is kind of laugh about it but at the same time knowing that it is real and so if we're experiencing it maybe we'll see how how it hits us this year but maybe trying out those lights that people recommend we'll keep you guys posted on that oh yeah you can get them on amazon and also just because yesterday you didn't feel that great but you went on a bike ride how did that oh my god it changed everything so yeah continuing to exercise i wasn't feeling that great (laughs) I, I got into bed at 1 p.m. between clients and just put pulled all the covers over my head, feeling a little dramatic about the end of summer. So, yeah, I was just kind of hibernating yesterday. And then at 7 p.m. hit and I was just like, all right, I'm getting out of here. And I went for a two hour bike ride and it changed everything. It just does. You put on some good music, you move your body and suddenly it's crazy how your thoughts literally change in response to doing things like that and just getting out in the fresh air. Also, Valentina and I have both had two sessions with our new therapist. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I wish I could have therapy like three times a week. <laughs> I love it. When you really find a therapist that works, you it's amazing. A good That fit. you vibe with, that you vibe with, not that works. <laughs> I like my therapist better now than, than I mentioned in the last podcast. She was more verbal and more pointing things out to me in this session but I don't know I don't think I could do it three times a week I need space in between okay, sessions. twice twice like yeah Tuesday and Friday or Thursday yeah I need space in between sessions to just take that stuff in begin integrating it begin practicing seeing how it shows up that week and then I can come back my therapist had me relive a traumatic moment of mine which I'm still processing these things so I don't want to be too open yeah because then I will just throw up with a vulnerability hangover (laughs) (laughs) I haven't reached a conclusion yet so we're not there TBD but she had me relive a traumatic event that's essentially that's essentially a regression she had you revisit it revisit it yeah and how I would have handled it now as an adult being able to draw boundaries as a child Because when I, you know, became traumatic because as a child, I didn't know what was happening. So I, whatever, was traumatized by it. Yeah. And wasn't able to respond in a way that I would protect myself, I guess. Well, that's essentially how we come to understand trauma, right? It's that it's when the demands of of your circumstances exceed your ability to cope with it. Right. And then you create a narrative around it that gets instilled in your self-identity and you carry that with you for the rest of the time until you heal it. Yeah. So So you're walking around as a 27-year-old with a worldview that was defined by a six-year-old. Exactly. And she is helping me right now with boundaries, the conversation that we like to have a lot on here. Yeah, that that journey's never over. No, she had me relive a moment and kind of speak as, say things with the brain that I have now as a however old I was. Like, I don't know how old I was. And I re-said the statement and I literally, I like couldn't say it. She goes, say it. And I was like, I can't. 
<laughs> that's it was so, so real. weird it was weird i'm like this is weird yeah if someone told me that i'd be like what do you mean you just just you could just say it but sh- i was i was in the mind of a let's you just really go age, back there so i'm like not speaking so crazily vague here i think it was like eight i don't know and <laughs> it may or may not have been eight <laughs> right and she was like say say that line you know and i and i said it and, and I couldn't say it at first. And then she was like, come on, say it. <laughs> and then I it. finally said it. And I started almost, I didn't cry, but I like felt all the sensations of wanting to cry. And I felt like my throat closing up. But then, you guys, that night I had the best sleep that I hadn't had in a while. And I don't think it's a coincidence. No, not at all. That was essentially a regression, what she did with you. It's so real. When you go into that kind of trance meditative state, your body, your body always lives in the present moment. So it doesn't that your emotions are trapped in your body. So it doesn't know that it doesn't know you're not there anymore. You might as well be there. One billion percent. That's why it was so hard to say because I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Is it safe to say? Yeah, that's why hypno. That's even though I was sitting in my room on my bed, you know, in 2020. Yeah, that's how hypno. That's how I work with hypnotherapy regressions. It's essentially that. And people go deep into it and you cry and you release it. And it's crazy how when you're talking to a therapist and you're finally ready to address the things that are kind of built up inside of you, how tears just start coming out. I, I mean, haven't started crying yet. I always, for some reason, want to stop myself. Yeah, me I'm too. To cry. Me too, which makes Why? me have so much compassion for my clients because there's something so like vulnerable just oh like, don't look at it calls <laughs> yeah, don't look at me look to the left please you feel psychologically naked you, you do because you're letting somebody see the parts that you normally keep pretty hidden right and that's what we're doing right now is shadow work which is essentially therapy, therapy. but just looking at all the parts of me that are that i've suppressed i guess or or parts of me that I've adapted into my self-identity that are actually not real to who I am. They're not authentic to who I am. They're not helpful anymore. Through life experiences, I've adapted. I've put layers on. Yeah, I mean, these parts form. These parts of who we are form. It's essentially parts work. There's a part of you that still kind of lives in that space. And then there's another part of you that has gained new wisdom and new insights that knows that there's something missing there, that those things technically, that those things shouldn't bother you based on everything that you know now to be true. But until you kind of go back and reprocess the emotions of that moment so that you put the memory back in a different way, it's called memory reconsolidation. When the, that until you are able to do that, that part kind of, it, no one, it never got to be seen. They want to be seen you know and I I think that's why I want to do it like twice or three times a week because most of the work that I've done on myself and I've done a lot has been intellectual has been me figuring it out yeah and with the help of you and just figuring it out from a really young age so I finally have someone who can like knows knows the terrain more than me knows the terrain knows and I'm just like, oh, my God, what more do you have to teach me? This is amazing. I did not know that I could I could heal these parts of me. I didn't even know that these parts of me needed healing. My person isn't teaching me anything I don't know. What I, I haven't encountered that 
in therapy yet all the way because I study so much. But she, it, what I need is somebody that witnesses me and me letting myself be seen in those really vulnerable spaces, which sometimes I'm just like, like what you said, don't look at me <laughs> right now. Uh-huh. This is supposed to be my secret. Yeah. <laughs> or you, I just want to be just, like, hey, I'm You're okay. just used to hiding those things. Yeah. Just, I'm not crying. It's not what it looks like. These are just waters that are streaming down <laughs> for no reason. Don't worry about it. Uh, but it takes courage. It takes courage to show up fully for therapy. It really does. It does. So that's awesome. I have so much respect and honor for my clients. Yeah. And, you know, every time that I engage in my, that's why it's so important as a therapist to engage in your own work. Cause we need to know how it feels to be on the other side of that. And but we are both with therapists that are working for us and that's good. And we will keep you guys on the journey pretty vaguely at first <laughs> until at least me, until I have like full thought out healed moments. Cause I'm very much in the process of it right now. I can say that a theme that I keep coming back to over and over again is understand redefining my subconscious beliefs around what gives me worth as a woman because that's something that I'm always kind of chipping away with from uh if you guys listen to that podcast we did with God is Gray coming from a Catholic background that was pretty patriarchal just there's deep ingrained conditioning for me around my value dependent on how just my womanhood in terms of how that relates to men and so in in there's a more conscious part of me that knows that my value I know very clearly that my value comes from the love in my heart like intellectually yeah I mean and I know it yeah I do know it even emotionally I know it I that's what I that's honestly it's what I believe but those deep subconscious early conditionings you have to just they don't go away easily Well, it's hard because it's not only something that happened in the past. Those narratives are still hot and heavy today in the present. Yeah, that's true. You actually have to stay really conscious, which I mean, by that, I mean, just mindful of the messages that are coming through from other people, how you're responding to them, the words that you're repeating to yourself and just make for me, my work is just making sure that I am not continuing to reinforce those. So, you know, I came up for me at the alternative narrative is simply that the value and I I put this up on my Instagram earlier that the value of human beings this is what I really believe is that the value of human beings man or woman is dependent on the quality of love in their heart the love that they have for themselves and the love that we have for each other to me that's at the root the, the truest truth that I can arrive at and so I just have to keep reminding myself that of that every time that those old narratives try to come back in. And at first it's a little bit more of an intellectual process, but little by little as you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it in different settings and different moments and different experiences, you remind yourself almost like a mantra. Rewire your brain. Yeah. You start rewiring and reconditioning yourself. So yeah. Speaking on how we define value, what our intention was for today was to focus or is to focus on how we relate to the idea of goals, how we experience even that concept, because that's something that we all get asked 
a lot. I'm sure you guys have been asked this. What are your goals? And especially in 2020, that's been shaken up entirely. You've got to, you know, people had many, many goals that got blown up. Yeah. And or a question even like, what are what what is your what are your goals? Where do you see yourself in the next five years? I've always hated that question. Like viscerally. (laughs) Do you want to speak to that? What do you feel about that question? I've always just kind of played along with it. Like, like, okay, if you want me to tell you, I guess I'll make something up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, what that's what it is. is. That how it feels I had, for you? Yeah. Whenever I had conversations with people, I always felt like, okay, let's play this game because me too. Yeah. It's like, for, an, it's an imaginary game that it's an imaginary I'm just gonna game. play with you because I genuinely do believe that all we have is right now. Right, right now. And that we transition in and out of different phases and that the next step will reveal itself as long as you're staying in alignment to who you truly are right now. And I believe in a certain energy that is going to maybe take over for the next five years, right? Or whatever, for tomorrow, for the next minute. That energy is to come in alignment with myself even greater. And the side effect of that is going to be then life is going to probably look and feel the way that you would want. But how could you even know what that is? How could you know what that is? And my thing has never been like a physical thing. Mine's been very much like a, in alignment with my spirit. And I trust that if my spirit is in alignment with my human self, then everything else will be okay. And I had someone who was really important in my life always get really frustrated with my inability to give a concrete answer because they would say, you know, do you not have a vision? (laughs) You're a visionless human. Are you vision? (laughs) I'm like, no, no, I just don't look at the universe like that. I really don't. I can see how for some people having a concrete goal gives them a sense of safety in a North Star. However, (sighs) I think as a society especially considering the reality that we are go- that we are living through mental a mental health crisis in human and a ton a huge portion of our society is depressed and a huge portion of our society is anxious and people are lonelier than ever before maybe it's time maybe that tells you something about this old paradigm this old approach of how you know you finish college in 4 years then you do this then you do that and that there's something missing. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? I would think, you know, a lot of these answers of what do you want in five years? What do you want in 10 years? It's to be this in this position at my company, to own my own company, to this, to that. And I'm like, okay, that sounds pretty cool, but that doesn't sound like in the nucleus of my cells fulfilling. Yeah, me either. It just feels like, it just feels like a superficial answer to it, me. It does. It does. For me too, obviously. So we have an interesting relationship with goals. It's just, yeah, for us, it's just, it's a lot more nuanced. Because I I, I come from the perspective of believing that, as you were saying, that life reveals the way to us each step of the way. And sometimes I feel that if I were to say, and I've said this in podcasts before, but if I were to say that this is exactly what I want, I I get this underlying feeling that somehow I'm limiting my potentiality 
because I don't even really know what that potentiality is. So my goal, I was talking to some clients recently about this, and I realized that a more mental health friendly approach to defining goals could be getting to make our goals the parts of our to to get the part the different parts of ourselves to have a better relationship with each other and if we can make that happen then little those parts are going to lead us to the place that we want to go they're going to reveal yes yes because okay so I feel like so many people, not everyone, but so many people have the stereotypical goals of what we spoke of. But as you said, there's a mental health crisis. There's a there's a community crisis. There's a, a, a connection crisis. And if people were to get more connected with themselves and not attach themselves to this external goal that they're constantly having to chase, I feel like what would be revealed would be in healing yourself and in coming, becoming more aligned with yourself you're going to start helping the world heal and helping the world become a more beautiful place for everyone around you. Does that make sense? Yeah, because the, the trapping of goals as, a, as this rigid idea of I want this house, I want this business. Yeah, that's all good and great. But if we just look at it from that perspective only, kind of dangerous thing there is that are we going to be willing to do whatever it takes to get there and that's also the old paradigm that's the old narrative of just do whatever it takes and where we're at now as people that prioritize mental health above everything is that we're not we're not really willing to do whatever it takes hell no listen the only (laughs) thing I'm willing to do whatever it takes for is sleeping and making sure my family is good yeah the only yeah I I think so too. I no, the only thing that I'm willing to do whatever it takes for is is to feel aligned within myself. Exactly. Because if I'm aligned within myself, I know I'm going to treat you guys better. I'm going to offer better services in whatever service I decide to be providing. I'm going to be more open to opportunities that are coming my way that are meant for me. If I'm constantly trying to force and push towards this idea of, okay, I have to get this license within the span of time and do that and do, and then, you know, have my own practice by this set date, I'm going to stress myself out before I even need to. I was listening to the Burt Show, as always. Burt Show. (sighs) I love him. And there, a girl called in and she was saying, okay, you guys, like, I need help. (laughs) I need help. (laughs) Talking to this guy that I just you know, dating him because I'm 27 and by 29, I need to be married by 31. I need to have my first child by 32. I need to have my I'm second already child anxious and by 34. That. I need to have my third child. So we got to get this together. And because I don't think like that, I almost feel like they're kidding. I'm like, is this like, this is a movie, right? This is like, did they plan? Did they ask someone to come on and say this? And I'm not I'm not trying to like be mean about it or you really kind of felt that. No, I really kind of felt that. And I'm like, that sounds so just soulless. Adding this timeline to it kind of takes away from what really could be revealed to you. I want to see what can be born out of me if I'm in a loving relationship with all the parts of who I am. Amen. That's a goal. If that's your goal, then I don't see how 
life can lead you in the wrong direction. I feel like it would, you would very clearly see the people that were quote unquote meant for you and the spaces that you should be in. And that would naturally, you wouldn't be trying to force anything. It would, Cause that's the thing too. If you're just stuck to the idea of this rigid goal, or there's going to be moments where you lose sense of, is this what feels inherently right for me? And that's when you are losing touch with that inner compass that's here to guide you. Our, my friend on Instagram actually posted something that I reposted today that speaks right to this. And he was saying that this post said, when I meet someone, I envision them without their cars, jobs, careers, degrees, house, and see them for who they really are at the core to see if they can still stand at all without all the labels and crutches. And then he goes, I always invite people to look at who they are if they were placed in a void with another human. Nothing but you. What could you offer? Panic? Small talk? Calmness? Meditation? Think about that. Would you offer love? Take away all of the externals? Yeah. If you take away all the externals, those are those are decorations. Those are ultimately manifestations of what's happening inside. But if we take away all the stuff, what are you standing on? And to me, the only thing left to consider at that point is inner peace. Do you have that? So five years from now, I hope to have more inner peace. I hope for my inner peace to continue blossoming. Yeah, five years from now. I think it was hard to answer that question because I was always thinking in the frame of the stereotypical goals right or what I should be thinking so that's why I really like got a lot of anxiety from yeah, I'm trying like, to answer that or like the 10 years I'm like I could die tonight that's what I was just I am, I, am I even gonna be around for five I'm years like, I, don't even, I don't know I, right so every every day the thing that I want to work on so if I'm thinking how we think I never realized I could give myself permission to create goals like this but it would very much be yeah inner peace and to be so free that I'm really, really living. That's beautiful. And that I feel so in alignment with myself that all of the right things will be around me. See, those are mental health informed goals. Why are they mental health informed goals or mentally healthy informed goals? Because at least thinking about it from the perspective of anxiety and depression, if you have a very rigid idea of how your life is supposed to turn out, and it doesn't turn out that way, and there's a very solid narrative inside of you about shoulds and what's acceptable and what isn't, that's when you can start kind of, that's where you can start beating yourself up. And that can easily become the road to a depressed state of mind. And if all on the other side of that as well, if you're very rigidly stuck to achieving these goals within a certain timeline or just somehow believing that the happiness in your life is attached to these outer outcomes, you can also become pretty anxious in the pursuit of them because you're kind of, when you are sticking to these rigid goals, you're also feeding that part of you that doesn't know how to sit with uncertainty. So as you move towards them in that rigid manner, that part of you that doesn't know how to sit with uncertainty is just going to get more solid in its its way of doing things so therefore when you do reach at the goal when you do reach it that's how you've trained your mind to be 
I wrote a blog post about this actually. Now that I'm we're talking about it, I'm gonna link it. I forgot what it's called. Off the top of my mind, I can't remember the title, but I'll link it to the show notes. But it's talking about essentially that same thing. You know, it's when goals to me, at least in, you know, the traditional sense, you're kind of giving power to things that aren't inside of you. So that I could totally see how that gives you how that could bring on anxiety. If we are linking our happiness and our self-worth to something that is completely outside of us, like if you're in a job and your goal is to make it to president of that company, but what if you get fired? It's going to feel like your whole world just crumbled. And then also because of the way that the anxious pattern works and we have that negativity bias, your mind chances are that you're if you're very married to this idea your mind is going to also be very tempted to be coming up with everything that could go wrong it's kind of like when your biggest goal in life is to be in a relationship and you start a new relationship and this has been something that you originally believe that should be going on then it's easy to ruin the relationship because you're going to constantly be super scared of doing anything wrong that can make this thing go away versus if you just no matter what if you make it your priority to stay in alignment with yourself and to love yourself and to make the different parts of who you are befriend each other whether or not the relationship succeeds isn't the biggest factor and chances are that if you are coming from a place of inner peace and love whatever relationships you attract into your life are going to reflect that anyways. And it's just the whole thing is just going to flow more smoothly. So when we're coming up with goals, how can we make them more sustainable in a way that they are aligned with our mental health and not aligned with external positions, statuses, objects? And that's not to say don't dream. Right. Dream dream but do it with some flexibility and it's not to say don't want the best for yourself it's not we're not at all advocating a perspective of don't hope for too much because you could be disappointed because I think that some people might take this that way it's not that hope for everything but find a way to fall in love with your life and with yourself right now so whether or not those things happen doesn't have the ability to destroy your psyche and I also think that if your goals have the foundation of alignment and taking care and prioritizing your mental health when those big earthquakes in your life do come you won't be shaken as much because you understand that you're still it wasn't that job or that person or that status that was going to make you happy while you wanted it that wasn't the ultimate thing the ultimate thing is still to make sure that right now in this moment, you're still feeling peace and then you can continue to walk forward and the external thing can be, you can bring that in, but that's not the ultimate. Well, because then you have a strong foundation. It's yeah. the same thing as a house. So I think a question that we can all ask ourselves on this journey is wh what is my foundation looking like? You know, for me with this whole thing of deconstructing the narratives of my worth as a woman if there's pain there, but I continue to move towards, let's say, seeking external validation from men, and that's my goal, right, because of this patriarchal Catholic thing, which I don't do. I don't live my life seeking external validation from men, but it's very much present in my subconscious, and I know when it's there, and I know that the thought brings me pain. 
So if I don't stop long enough to question it and look into that narrative that I've inherited and deconstruct it so that I can understand why there's a part of my that is choosing to continue to carry that story somewhere in the back of my psyche. If I if I don't ever turn around to clean that up, then let's say I do get into a relationship. That's going to be a relationship written with anxiety and tension and instability because I could never place if I place my worth or value in somebody else and that person's in a bad mood or they're going through their own thing and they can't give me what I think I'm supposed to be receiving from that person. What's the point of that goal? There isn't, there isn't really one. So essentially we want to be able to kind of clean up our foundation as we go along and not get so caught up on reaching these external markers that we're not even aware of what's going on at the depth. So there's this poem by Rainer Maria Rauch, Reich. Anyways, I came across this poem that just kind of, I see the par- I, I see the parallels between this and what we're talking about. And he says God, but you can, repla- you can replace God with the word life or universe or whatever feels right to you. Uh, but this is what it says. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out into the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing, embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror, just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by seriousness. Give me your hand. So I wanted to read this poem because... You, you guys have heard Valentina and I talk about how no one really knows how what the purpose of life is or even what comes after unless you've died and come back or who, who really knows. But what this poem is saying to me is that although we don't necessarily really remember the exact reason that we are here, we are all creators and we're all capable of creating a beautiful, beautiful life. And that comes with allowing ourselves to kind of surrender into the vulnerability of existence, which is means a lot of happy times, a lot of tough times, a lot of different feelings. And in the middle of all that, not forgetting that we have the ability to continue to create a beautiful life and a beautiful mental experience for ourselves and then when he says nearby is a country they call life you'll know it by its seriousness it's kind of speaking to this notion that we all just take life so seriously and in this and having this conversation about challenging the notions of what a goal is what we want to do what we're doing for ourselves and hopefully encouraging you guys to do is to challenge the seriousness with which many of us have been taught to engage with life. And a huge part of the manifestation of that seriousness is reflected in the rigid relationship that we have with goals. I can, speaking for myself, I can say that a huge portion, if not all, just a huge portion of my mental health struggles have been inherited from adults that took 
from adults around me having taken life so seriously. So, for example, we talked about the eating disorder thing. So it's super, super serious that your body is perfect or else you're going to be abandoned or whatever it is. It's super, super serious that you get these straight A's. It's super, super serious that your house looks like this. It's super, super serious that your clothes look like that, that your partner shows up in this way that by a certain age you would have accomplished this and that that you finished college that you all of these structures yeah it's super serious and so when you feel that the density of all of this being approached with so much seriousness you're gonna get anxious you're gonna get anxious because then you feel like you could get in trouble if it doesn't show up the way that you have been told that it should and it's a life or death thing or that you're fucking up your life your your whole life and the reason I love this poem again is because it's it's alluding to the reality of how mysterious life actually is we don't really fully know why we're here so it's like when he says you sent out beyond your recall go to the limits of your longing it's basically saying that we were born and we don't even remember what was going on before we got here. We don't remember the plans that were made before we got here. We don't we don't know any of that. And if we really actually sit with that for a minute, you can feel the mystery of life. And when something is that mysterious, how did we arrive at such serious interpretations of exactly how this is supposed to be sent manifested? So then that's when he's like, go to the limits of your longing, which is essentially what we're getting at, which is get into alignment with yourself of what, what do you long for? Truly not what do you think you should be showing up as, but what feels good to your heart? What allows you to go to sleep at night? What allows you to be with people in such a way that you're fully present with them and present with yourself while you're there? And a huge part of that is not taking life and these outcomes so seriously. That to me is so exciting. Like I feel my heart flutter when I get rid of all the structures and all of the rules and all of the pressures because I think life is really truly mine for the taking. I can do whatever I want with it. I really can. And that's the thing, too, is that we come from the perspective that I, I do genuinely believe in the goodness of the human heart. I know that everybody just wants to be loved and that if we are able to deconstruct and, and strip away these notions, these strict notions of how everybody's supposed to be behaving and show ourselves love in this process we're all going to show up in ways that are pro-social, which means still collaborating with each other. I think a lot of people are scared of letting go of these rules and rigid ideas because they're afraid that everyone is just going to go nuts and rogue. Honestly, it's, it just has not been my experience that when people feel loved, they show up in ways that are socially irresponsible. And when people feel aligned and fulfilled, which is love, essentially. What a revolution of everyone really started deconstructing why we take life so seriously and, wh and what these parts you know if, if if my goal is to get these different parts within myself to make friends with each other and to understand and <clears throat> and hold each other with love that allows me to surrender into the mystery of life and for life to then unfold and manifest in the way that in the highest expression of myself in a way that I can't even imagine from this vantage point so I can't tell you what I'm going to be doing five years from now 
I think that's the difference between being an architect of your life and an artist of your life. When you're an architect, it's, it's, this is just the image that I'm getting. It's kind of like build, building and hammer, hammering away at these structures that you want to see happen. But if you're an artist, you're kind of following your intuition and feeling the next best feeling or taking the next best feeling step. Yeah. And the thing is that you can do that. Okay. You can do that while being socially responsible. You still pay your taxes. You you still manage your finances. You still do whatever you need to do to make yourself feel a sense of security and stability within the world. Just always returning to questioning if we are keeping that in balance with surrendering to the mystery of life. Because that's where you really find the beauty anyways. Aubrey Marcus was talking about this in a recent post where he was saying that the only thing he would change about his life is that he wishes he hadn't taken it. He hadn't, he hadn't up until this point taken it so seriously and just focused on the goal so much because he realized that at the end of the day, the moments when he felt the happiest were always those moments that, you know, maybe in the middle of the night at 2 a.m. looking at the stars or being by the ocean. And it's those moments when you fully kind of step into the mystery of existence. And that's not something that you're ever going to arrive at by saving up enough money for a Ferrari. You know, like that will be fun. That's a fun little addition. That's a fun little thing that you can do to play on the side. But essentially believing that that is what's going to give us a sense of peace and fulfillment in life. It's just an illusion that we're continuing to perpetuate for ourselves and for the people around us. And again, if you, if we all kind of work to deconstruct this and to release these narratives in freeing ourselves, we free each other. So it's a revolution, baby. That's the goal. We don't, you know, we're, we're, we are all living in the country of life. That's known by how serious it is. The next step we believe, and I've seen also in my mental health work, is to loosen up a little bit. To loosen up. Just make those parts of yourself become friends with each other. And there's something so freeing in that. Because we were just talking about the other day how in the past few months, I have let go of a lot of my routines. Yeah, you have. And have just been a lot more spontaneous with what feels good, what is my body asking for? What just I've, I've let go of, okay, I'm going to wake up at this time, do this at this time, make sure I get this in every single morning, make sure. And, and a lot of that, a lot of times that helps having routines help. They definitely help. But I've been playing with, I'm going to shed some of these routines and some of this rigidity and just, just flow for a minute. Yeah. Like I might go bike riding one day at 7 p.m. Another day at 1 p.m. I might not work out for a week. I may not work out for a week. And it's not that serious. I may. Just, oh, yeah. Just flowing. Old Paula, back when I was more in the in the eating disorder days, if I didn't work out for a week, I'd be beating myself up. And you know what that oh does? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know what that does? It just increases the anxiety and feelings of depression in your body. And then... And then what? What's the point? What's the point? You're kind of you, you end up trapping yourself by these rigid ideas and these goals that don't I don't know whether we're here for it just just this lifetime or whether we're reincarnating or whatever it is. This lifespan is really it's not that long when you look at it. So how can we make how can we just make it feel like more ease? It's been my experience that's easier to connect with people when I'm not so married to 
specific routines and structures and ways of doing things. You you leave more room for spontaneity, for for whatever is in front of you to be the right answer. Yeah, it just unfolds. That's kind of the juice. That's where you find the juice and the magic of life. The other stuff is fun too. It's fun to build things. And we there's another kind of magic that comes from that, but it's just making sure that we're keeping a balance there. It's a dance, as we say, for all of these things. Just make sure that we're paying attention. We all have to make sure that we're paying attention to not being completely married to one of them. Exactly. Because then the balance. pendulum will swing the other way. The pendulum will swing the other way. Because, yeah, because the other, the shadow side of this, I could see being, I can't plan anything. Right. There's people that do that, that take the, spirit, the oh, like, spiritual wait. lifestyle <laughs> too far that Sahara Rose is talking about. That yeah. I can't plan anything at all because I just have to see how I feel that morning. I have no idea how I'm going to feel at 10 a.m. this Friday because it's just Wednesday. How am I going to know? That's not, that's not it either. You can't be afraid of planning because planning also kind of helps to create the structure in which the freedom can unfold. We don't always know exactly how these podcasts are going to go, for example, but we do know that every Wednesday at sometime on Wednesday, we just know that it's on Wednesday, we're going to sit down for an hour and we're going to record. And so that structure is necessary for the creativity to be born. But it also can't be so serious that it has to be done at this time Every single, every single day, at least for, for us in this particular example, we can't be so serious because then that could also stifle the free flow of the insights that come through us to create this podcast. So this, the structure matters. It's just important now to start questioning it because we reached a tipping point in our society where we have taken structure and rigidity so seriously that people have to literally medicate themselves to numb their brain and their existence so that they can just kind of show up for the day. It's time to kind of invite in the next thing. And with that pretty mental family, we give you something to think about. (laughs) Tell us what you're thinking. We love you. Los queremos mucho. Los queremos mucho. Peace. Tune in every Monday at 6 a.m. EST. Until next time. Be kind with yourselves. Ciao. Peace.